lost anything important? I remember, oh, it's quite a few years ago now, I lost my ATM card. Uh, I was, we were leaving town, I was checking things off the list, I had to go across town and do a bunch of different things, and so I was, I had gone to the post office, I'd gone to a couple of stores, then I went through the, the drive through ATM in order to get some cash as we headed out, and then I went to another store, and when I pulled out my wallet, the card wasn't there, and I was like, oh, I left it in the machine, and I, I left my stuff, and I went back, and I, I tooled through, and of course the card was gone. And it was just one of those drive-through places. I couldn't talk to anybody, and so I I, uh, I found the uh, the the bank. I, I went to the, uh, the the bank that had the indoor uh, deal, and they were still open. And I told them what happened and how can I get my card. And they said, "Well, probably you know the machine. Uh, if if you don't get it right away, you know, then it. Uh, they they said that it would have sucked it back. It would have swallowed it. They said those were the terminology. They the machine would have swallowed the card, and it was most likely had been destroyed by then, and I needed to get a new one. But I. I can remember that oh, feeling of this thing that is so important to me. I've got to have it, and I don't. I've lost it. We, uh, we used to have a friend who, who always lost her keys. Uh, she'd come over to, the, to whoever's house, and, and she'd lay her keys down, and, and uh, you know, by the end of the night, she'd forget where she'd put them, and, and it was always, oh, oh, Mickey can't find her keys. Uh, we'll have to uh, spend the next 10 minutes looking for Mickey's keys. There were times, I mean, I have to say, there were times when I would maybe put them in a drawer or something so that she couldn't find them, but, uh, but she was known for losing something so important as, uh, as her keys. Uh, but I know you've probably lost things at times that were important to you. I think it'd be great uh, if you just took a couple minutes to uh, share with somebody halfway near you there uh, a time when you lost something that was important to you, either in the room, online, uh, talk to whoever's on the, the, the couch or across the room with you. Uh, but tell about a time when you lost something important. On your mark, get set, 90 seconds, go. So what have you lost? A couple of people, what, what are the things that you've lost? Your kid. Oh, I think that takes the cake right there. We can just stop, pack up, and, and go. Okay, yes. What else? Wedding ring, your wallet. All right, a lot of things. Glasses, I know people have lost their glasses, keys, you know, they sell these little electronic dots you can put on things, and then some people just have them on everything, right? And then, then you can press the button, and it'll, it'll like, zoo, beep into uh, if you're losing things. All that. I don't know, when you lose something, uh, I mean, time kind of stops, right? You're like, I mean, if it's really important, like if it's your child or something, you know, and not that anybody would ever lose, oh, I'm just kidding, uh, but uh, uh, time kind of stops, you can't hardly focus on anything else because you're so intent on finding this. Nobody said phone. Anybody lose their, you ever lost your phone? Yeah, see, yeah, all the time, all right. Uh, everything's out of kilter until you can get that thing back, right? It just, nothing's, you just feel like it, everything's off and just, you're just focused on finding what's lost. And, and then when you finally find it, uh, find it, I mean, there's big relief, right? You're just kind of flooded with this, oh, Oh, good. Okay, now everything can get back to normal. The tears dry up. Uh, the, uh, the the there's there's I guess we could call it peace and joy. Probably floods your soul, uh, or at least your countenance, and you're not all anxious and worried and upset about this thing that was lost. So over the next couple of weeks, this week and, and two more Sundays, uh, I want you to remember all of those feelings about losing and finding things, uh, because we're going to be in Luke chapter 15, and this uh, whole chapter consists of three stories that Jesus told about, what, uh, about how God feels about finding lost things. 
Uh, we're, 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 I guess we could say for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be in the lost and found, <laughs> I guess. Uh, so uh, we're going to look at the first section today, just the first story. There's actually three stories, but we're going to be Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of, of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. We'll stop right there, although the rest of this chapter tells two other stories about how God deals with lost things. Uh, in this chapter, there are three different places, three different uh, objects, uh, three, or, or three different uh, scenarios. Uh, uh, there's a lost sheep that we just read about. Uh, next week, uh, there's a lost coin, and then there's a lost son, the prodigal son, and, and you're probably familiar with that story. We're going to learn a lot from all three of these stories, uh, and the big thing we're going to learn the most is that lost things seem to matter to God. As we, as we dive into this, I, I guess we need to, to know, or maybe I'll remind you, maybe you don't know, but uh, we don't usually use the term parable much in our day-to-day -day language. So what is a parable? Uh, Jesus used them all the time. Uh, basically, it's, I guess we could say it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Uh, Jesus spoke in, in parables. He, he was a master at connecting the things of everyday life with eternity. And so uh, we've got, uh, well, some would say this is one parable. It says at the beginning there what we just read. He told them a parable, and then there are three different sections. Or we could say, I mean, there are three different unique stories here, uh, three different ways that God is connecting everyday life with the truths of eternity. Before we get into this uh, parable about uh, the sheep, I, I think it's, it's helpful to see who Jesus is talking to. It's, it's always helpful as we come at it from, from our vantage point a couple thousand years later to get into the text and kind of see the context of, of, of who he's talking to and, and, and what he's addressing because that helps us to know how to, uh, how to, how, how to evaluate what he's really saying. So it says, first off, that there were tax collectors and sinners there. They were gathering to hear Jesus. These were the people that were not clean, so to speak, in the eyes of the church. They were looked down on. Uh, um, it, it would, uh, I mean, there, there's, I, I, if you would define that in the culture of the day, first of all, tax collectors were uh, looked down on. They were the, the, the bottom rung because they were Jewish uh, people, but they had sold out to Rome and they cheated people out of their money. Everybody hated the tax collectors. So, so uh, they were kind of their own, their own uh, group and they were gathered around the people who had cheated uh, the rest of the people out of money. Uh, other people that could be uh, termed as sinners uh, would include people like donkey handlers and shepherds and peddlers and prostitutes and drunks. And uh, you get the idea. Jesus yet seemed to be quite popular with those folks. And this is one of, one of four times in, in just the book of Luke where we see Jesus gathering with these folks and he's ridiculed because of it. So that's one group that Jesus was addressing as he's telling these stories. But the, the sinners weren't the only people in that crowd. There were also, it says there were also Pharisees. 
those, those would have been the polar opposites in the people's view of that day, the polar opposites of those sinners, uh, uh, at least in the, in the eyes of, of everybody there, because the Pharisees were the church leaders. They were the followers of the law. Uh, they, they had been pretty vocal about their disapproval of Jesus and about their disapproval of his habit of hanging out with all these sinful people. And, and so it was a mixed crowd. We see that Jesus not only has these, these tax collectors and sinners gathered around, but then, I don't know, I picture it kind of on the fringe or the back row, so to speak, not to put anybody down if you're on the back row this morning, but uh, the, uh, the, the, the Pharisees were kind of gathered around and, and kind of, ah, oh, yeah, I'm listening, but it doesn't anyway. And so it's a mixed crowd, Jesus is talking. And, and that affects how we read this. Whether you've been in the church for years or you're not yet following Jesus or you're somewhere in between, there are things to be learned here from these stories. Jesus is preaching, teaching to all of us. So the first part of this story is all about a shepherd and his sheep, right? He had a hundred sheep. When he gathered them all together, uh, he realized one was missing. So Jesus says, uh, as he starts this story, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And now if I had been in that crowd and he asked that question, my answer would have been, um, no, no, I probably wouldn't do that. I would, uh, I would not go out into the dangerous wilderness at night with predators roaming around and cliffs to fall off of. If I had 99% of my sheep already with me, I would probably cry for a minute and then I would get a new sheep sometime, right? That's probably what I... Okay, maybe I'm not a good shepherd. I'm just being honest. That's where I, would, uh, where I would be with this. But it's obvious that Jesus is asking this. It's a rhetorical question because he's assuming that... Uh, and and it's, it would have been the assumption that this is what a good shepherd does. He's anticipating that, that these people would say, well, yeah, of course, a shepherd would, uh, would go after a sheep that gets lost. It seems to be a normal thing, at least for a good shepherd to do. And so this story has a lot to do not only with the sheep who is lost, but also with the shepherd and how he operates. And we learn a lot about that shepherd And again, a parable depicts uh, earthly truth that points to eternal truth. And so this shows how the kingdom of God operates and we can recognize and know that Jesus is placing himself in the role of shepherd here. It's not the first time. Uh, Throughout scripture, we have the shepherd sheep analogy over and over and over again. In John 10.10, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. In Isaiah 40, uh, it says, the Lord tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. Psalm 100 verse 3 says, God made us. We belong to him. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Of course, Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, right? And, And then he proceeds to describe all of the awesome ways that this shepherd provides for and cares for his sheep and then there's also this pivotal verse from the prophet Isaiah that that all the people in that crowd that Jesus was talking to that day the sinners and the Pharisees they all would have known that the prophet Isaiah back in the day had said these words in Isaiah 53 6 all we like sheep have gone astray We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. All we like sheep have gone astray. And and so it's at this point in the story that, that, that it becomes more than an old outdated farm story. Now it's become personal because now we can see ourselves 
in the story. If Jesus is the shepherd, all of us at some point are or have been the lost sheep. In Jesus' story, we see that this sheep has, has wandered off, and maybe we could say he's, uh, this, this sheep has wandered off innocently, uh, distracted, uh, drawn perhaps to greener pastures or just new adventures. Uh, I don't know. In my mind's eye, I get the impression that he's just tooling around, enjoying life. At some point, he picks up his head and looks around and realizes that all his buddies are gone, and he's lost, and he doesn't he didn't quite uh, know uh, how he got there. The shepherd didn't send the sheep away. The shepherd didn't disown the sheep and say, get out of here, I don't want you, and, and take off and go wander. The, the sheep did it on its own, but, uh, you know, kind of distracted and just, just wandered off. I, I think it may be important to emphasize that if we're struggling in our relationship with God, if you find yourself struggling in your relationship with God, uh, that, that, that it's not his doing. He hasn't, uh, he hasn't, caused a rift in the relationship the good shepherd has not uh, has not sent you away to wander maybe it's like that middle school relationship it's we're talking to God it's it's not you it's me right uh maybe maybe that's uh where we're at uh nowhere in scripture will you find God pushing lost souls away we need to know that God's intention is that the lost are found. So I think it's important for us to realize that we are as close to God as we care to be. Uh, He wants you to follow him closely. He wants you to have an intimate relationship with him. Uh, But as the song says, we are prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave this God I love. So as we look at the, the sheep in this story, or, or I don't know, just sheep in general, I guess, I, I'm not sure that there was a lot of planning going on here. The, the, the sheep didn't wait till midnight when everyone was asleep, and I'm making a break for it, and uh, uh, he's tiptoeing away, and he's bad mouth. You can't believe what that guy put me through, and I can't, re- this is not the picture that, uh, that, that the sheep is, is uh, wandering or uh, taken off intentionally in some way. He just wandered off. We get the impression that he, he might not have even known for a while that he was lost. A story a, a fellow pastor told me years ago always, has always stuck with me. He, he told me about a, uh, he was early on in his ministry and, and he received a phone call. Uh, the elderly mother of one of his parishioners had wandered off and they couldn't find her. And she suffered from Alzheimer's disease, and, and they were worried about her, of course. And so uh, my uh, pastor friend uh, called his church and called the community, and, and uh, they started a search. And they're going street by street throughout the, throughout the small town where they lived. And it was getting cold, and it was getting late, and it was dark, and they were more and more worried. And, and, and uh, uh, this pastor told me that, that as he's looking, he was searching in an empty lot, and he stumbled over something and literally the woman was there laying on the ground. And so he got down in the grass and he, he's saying her name over and over and saying, we found you, we found you, we found you. Uh, it's okay now, it's okay, we found you. And, and he told me that the woman was obviously still confused. And as he said, we found you, we found you, we found you, she said, was I lost? Was I lost? I think that there are many people today who are wandering away from God without even realizing that they're lost. I mean, life is fine, and I know it's almost like we're going from one clump of green grass to the other and not really even thinking about God that much. Feeding on things that catch our eye, and we just kind of go where we go. 
But as those things lead us away from the good shepherd, we can end up in dangerous places, right? Well, whether the the sheep knew he was lost or not, the shepherd certainly knew it. The shepherd was keeping track. The shepherd knew that the sheep was lost. It is a comfort to know that that God knows us enough to know when we wander off, right? Uh, He cares enough to pursue us. Remember that feeling that when you've lost something important, we just we talked about a few minutes ago. That's that that's the compelling feeling that the the good shepherd God has uh, to leave the ninety nine and search for the one. And and you see there in this story how he treated the lost sheep. When he found it, he didn't yell at it. What are you doing wandering off? He didn't punish it for wandering away. He didn't chain it up and drag it. I'm going to show you. You're going to stay. All of those things maybe could have happened, but none of them did. It says that he, what a picture. He joyfully put it on his shoulders and brought it back. I think there are people today who are shy uh, about turning back to God because they think he's a disciplinarian, he's going to punish him. I mean, you've heard people say, I can't come to church. Uh, you know, lightning will strike the building if I walk in those doors, right? Well, that's not our God that we worship. He, he's, he's not out to, to, to zap us for our misdeeds and our sins. I mean, certainly sin has its consequences, but, but like that shepherd, we get a picture of, of how God operates, this story that uses earthly things to co- communicate eternal uh, meaning, uh, that, that, that our God, the good shepherd, uh, has a love for the lost and that, that love compels him to go and to search. And when he finds the lost, he's just so overwhelmed and overjoyed uh, uh, about finding what was lost in in theological terms we call this provenient grace I mean every week you got to write down one word you didn't know right so uh, that's like a 17 syllable word for a Sunday provenient grace it's simply the grace that goes before in other words here it is it's simply the fact that God is pursuing you long before you know it (laughs) long before you even care that's why I, I I don't know, I, I don't really like the metaphor that, that, that some people use when they describe coming to faith. I mean, it's fine, but, but they say, yeah, I found Jesus. And I mean, that's not quite how it works because Jesus was never lost. <laughs> you were. He found you. He, he's pursuing you from the very beginning. So today, <laughs> in the room, online, whoever's hearing, listen, listen this morning. If you are lost today, Jesus knows and he's looking for you. He is pursuing you. He wants nothing more than for you to follow him. Uh, It's an amazing picture of God's love. This sheep scooped up riding on the shoulders of of the, the good shepherd. What was lost is now found. What was in danger is now safe. But now, but now watch this, and we can we could miss what came next. When the shepherd returned home. He called his friends and neighbors together and said, come celebrate with me, I found my lost sheep. Now I pictured uh, growing up, I I grew up in Sunday school here in this story and I immediately pictured the shepherd getting on his phone and calling the neighbors. 
I've since learned that they probably didn't have phones back then, and that's probably not how it happened, but uh, spread the word. He spread the, literally went house to house, uh, uh, valley to valley, mountain to mountain, went ran around, gathered up his friends. And, and, I mean, it's a big deal. It was a big deal back then to lose a sheep. Uh, and uh, I mean, that was livelihood. That was, uh, that was financial uh, uh, stability. And to lose a sheep or two would, would, would be a big problem. And so then to be able to search for it and to find it, I mean, that was a big deal. I mean, it was time to party it's not that the other 99 sheep weren't important it's just that they were already home they were already following they were already where they needed to be the shepherd knew the danger for the one who was lost and wandering the stakes were so high and so it was such a relief when he found that lost sheep now I'm I'm assuming you probably won't throw a party if you find your lost phone but you know the sense of joy and relief that floods when you find that thing that's, that was so important. The urgency of searching results in a party when the loss is found. So, so what's the message for the, the crowd that day? Jesus knew that, that, that for different reasons, both sinners and the church folk needed to know something extremely, extremely important. Lost people matter to God. That's the message for both of those groups of people. Uh, whether you're following God or not, you need to know that lost people matter to God. I think you need to say that so that it gets uh, uh, stuck in your head and in your heart. Let's say it together. Lost people matter to God. If you're online, you can write it in the chat so I know you're following along. We'll wait. Just kidding. I don't know. If you, I won't know till later if you wrote it down. Lost people matter to God. I want you to say it again. Lost people matter to God. To God. Uh, God loves the lost so much that he pursues them until they're found. And in telling these stories in Luke chapter 15, uh, Jesus is, is actually the embodiment of the extent to which God pursues the lost, right? We celebrated it today as we walked through communion. It's the whole reason that he came. Luke 19.10 says that uh, Jesus says there that, that his entire mission was to seek and save what was lost. He came. He was literally standing in front of them, showing them the extent of God's love, that he was going to pursue them as far as it took. Why did Jesus hang out with tax collectors and donkey drivers and prostitutes? He's finding the lost. He's seeking and saving the lost. Why? Because lost people matter to God. Maybe you need to say it again. Lost people matter to God. Of course, the, the, the sinners in the crowd would have loved that message, right? Uh, Jesus was telling them that God valued them. He was pursuing them. That message must ring loud and clear right now in this room online. Uh, today, every day, God loves you. You matter. He's pursuing you. Lost people, lost, uh, lost people matter to God. That, that, that would have been wonderful, if not surprising news for the, the sinners in that crowd that day. And it would have been shocking and scandalous to the Pharisees because lost people didn't matter to them. Keeping the law mattered to them. So if someone didn't keep the law, then they dismissed them. Uh, they, they didn't pursue them. Uh, I mean, uh, sure, they were, they were lost, they were away from God, but that was their own fault and they needed to earn their way back in. They needed to follow the law, they needed to walk through the, the rituals and routines and do all the things and get serious about this thing and, and get back together. I'm not going after you, you need to get back, uh, you, you need to, 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 to earn your way back in and, and work your way back in. So the, the church folk 
for the church folk to hear that lost people matter to God would have sounded, well, I don't know if ridiculous is the right word, but certainly, uh, certainly not what they were expecting. Today, I, I, in here, I, I don't think that, that this message is surprising to any of us. I mean, you would probably nod your head. You probably did nod your head as you filled in the blank as we repeated, lost people matter to God. Say it again, lost people matter to God. You, you probably, probably agree with that statement. Yeah, I agree. So lost people matter to God, but do they matter to you? If I asked you, would you be able to honestly say the words lost people matter to me? And, and if you did say it, would there be any proof of that in your life? I mean, the, the proof that God values the lost is in two things that we see front and center in this story. It's in his pursuit of them and in the party that he throws afterwards. The, the, the proof is in the pursuit and the party. If, so the question is, are we pursuing, are you pursuing the lost people that you know with the same urgency that you might pursue a lost wallet or a lost phone? I think we talk about pursuing the lost all the time in the church, but I don't know whether we do it a whole lot. I mean, most people certainly haven't made it their life goal. Around here, we, we say we have. We at least uh, print it on the bulletin, and, and uh, I say it from time to time, and, and we, uh, we, we give voice to it. Uh, we, we say it this way, we live to love people to life, right? And so we're pursuing those who don't yet have that abundant life with God. Because we love them, we want to introduce them to that life with God, so we live to love people to life. That's a, that's a pursuit and party kind of life, because lost people matter to God. They should also matter to me so the question I guess is if you are following Jesus who are you pursuing and if verse 7 says that the biggest parties in heaven happen when sinners repent when the lost are found (laughs) when was the last time heaven threw a party because you helped someone get found because lost people matter to God so in that crowd, there's uh, there, the same message for, for all of us, whether we're following or whether we're not yet following. We need to know that God's heart is for pursuing lost people. If you find yourself not yet following God, that message, uh, I hope, can ring loud and clear in your heart that, that God loves you so much that he's gonna go to the ends of the earth to pursue you. If you're already following, then we, this is a, a, a call to, uh, to renew our commitment to, uh, to, to seek and to save those who are lost around us, the people that God brings into our lives, into our world. Uh, the, the, the questions that we ask on our uh, questions to live by card, the last one is, am I close to someone far from God? That's a pursuit and a party kind of question. Am I, am I building relationships with people who don't yet know God so that maybe God can use me at some point to bring them to him in, in his pursuit of them? When we head out of here in a couple minutes, you are on the same mission that Jesus was on that day, to love people to life, or as he said, to seek and to save those who are lost. Precious Father God, I pray that you would help us to seek after those who don't yet know you. 
I pray that even in this moment that you might bring a face or two to mind of relationships that, 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 that you might want to use us to impact them with your love. Lord, we thank you that, that you care about the lost, those who don't yet know you. Maybe they don't even know that they're lost. Maybe they, they don't even care. But Lord, you are pursuing. You are, you are uh, compelled to, uh, to, to, to seek after. Lord, I pray for those who, who may be here or logging in online and who are not yet following you. I pray that they can recognize and know that you love them uh, so much more than they could possibly know that you're not just waiting for them to come back and you're not ready to uh, punish them, but that you're ready to extend your love and your grace and your forgiveness and your hope, ready to throw a party as they, as they come to faith in you. Lord, I pray that as we go from here, that we would go with eyes wide open to know, uh, to, to see the opportunities that you bring to us this week, to be your voice, your, your life, your hands and feet in the world where we live. We thank you that you go with us, leading the way. In Jesus' name we pray.